On today's Visual Studio Toolbox, we're going to continue our investigation of the Power Platform, and Greg is going to show us how to take a web API he built and use it in a Power App. Hi, welcome to Visual Studio Toolbox. I'm your host, Robert Green, and joining me today is Greg Hurlman. Hey, Greg, how are you? Hey, Robert, how are you doing today? Fantastic. We are in the middle of our little mini series on the Power Platform, and we're trying to uh, better understand what the Power Platform is and what opportunities it presents for .NET developers. So last week, April Dunham came on, gave us a great overview of Power Platform, and we kind of settled on the idea that .NET developers could build web APIs that would talk to data. Uh, so you're in charge of the data layer, the business logic, but then your citizen developers can use the Power Platform, build Power Apps, that use those web APIs and you as the developer don't necessarily have to be on the hook for building UI. You just focus on the web API. And that sounded pretty interesting. Yep, it sounds today, pretty good. Oops, sorry. Uh, so that's our theory. <laughs> um, and today you're gonna show us what that would look like. And then in our final episode on August 10th, we're gonna do a one hour live uh, toolbox live where we actually show how to build a web API and look at API management. So today we're just going to use a pre-baked web API and see how it can be used in Power Apps. Yep. Yep. That all sounds sounds real good to me. Definitely Power Apps is just another front end, same as the React and HTML and CSS JavaScript stuff is on the web or Xamarin is for your phones or anything else. Um, and you can treat it that way, especially if you're a backend dev, you create APIs and other people build stuff with them. This will be perfect for you. And as we'll look at today, there's really not a whole lot of extra work you have to do, although Power Apps can be super useful in proving out your API is good, that your design is good as a quick kind of design service to test stuff. Ooh, yeah, that's, not, that's interesting. We're, we're definitely going to touch on that point. All right. All so right. take it away. Okay, so I've got an API already kind of loaded up inside Visual Studio. There's nothing really special or different. If you've seen other kind of sample APIs, you've probably seen this one. Um, it is using ASP.NET Web API stuff. We are using Swagger to publish out that open API information. The only other thing this one is doing is using um, Cosmos on the back end to actually as its data layer. Okay. And we have just the usual stuff. Um, in our API controllers for, for controlling what the route looks like and all the code for that and passing things back and forth. If you've seen one API with this sort of stuff, you've seen this sort of thing before. It's got a database behind it, an API in the middle, and some kind of front end in the front. Okay. And then the swagger part is important. The open API part is important. It can be, yes. So what I've done um, already in this API, and I won't go all the way through it so we can save a little bit of time is here. I've right-click published, which Friends don't let friends do that necessarily, but hey, this is a demo. We're gonna we're gonna target Azure, hit next, go through. Still remains one of my favorite features in the product. So definitely, definitely, this is instead of having to deploy everything yourself, you can go through, click through the the um, wizard here and get it pushed out. Now I've done all that already, so I'm not gonna go all the way through it. So I'll just cancel out of that. And you've put it up in Azure, presumably. Mm -hmm. It is in Azure. Okay. And I've lost my web window. Here we go. Okay. And I've got it pushed out to um, an app service on Azure, which itself is then published into um, Azure API management, which is what we're looking at right now. Okay. So if I go to the APIs here, 
we can see that manufacturing demo API already listed. It looks good. We're, we have all our good kind of descriptions for what we're doing with the API. We're creating service requests. We're getting a bunch of information. We're getting our service request vendors, yada, yada. Pretty good API stuff. But okay. to get this in the Power Platform so we can start using it, it can be really just a, a couple click process. I'll click on the three dots here next to the API and come down to create power connector. So is that, that is, automatic, is that built into Azure? You get that for free? That is right there, ready to go. If you have uh, Power Apps environments in your organization, you can push straight out to them. And so I've nice. got my API selected and I'll just pick the right um, environment for the Power Platform here. So that your, your, your maker compatriot, your, your citizen dev, if they say they need your API for a Power App, you just need to ask them which environment and you pick it from the drop down here. Okay. We give it a display name on the other side, which defaults to the uh, actual name, which works for me. And by default, because the API management is requiring that kind of that API key parameter, that will also require the front end to, to supply that parameter when we create the connection. Mm -hmm. So we'll just click on create and it'll take just a few seconds to do the thing. And while that's doing that. So this right. is so cool because I've seen a lot, of, I've seen a fair number of Power Platform demos and you know the typical keynote demo. Oh, we create a Power App and we connect to this web API and then it talks to data. And I was always like, well, where did that come from? Who wrote that? And how do you mm -hmm. make that available to people? And oh my gosh, it looks so easy. Yeah, um, if it's an API management, it is really just that one click. And if we come down into, I went to make.powerapps.com. And if I come over here to data and then down to custom connectors, we should see it in this list. And lo and behold, there it is. All right. So what I will do is come back up to the create tab here. And we're just going to create an app from blank just to test this API out, see how it works from kind of a front end. Like I mentioned, we can do some some quick testing of the API, make sure it makes sense for our, our situation. So we'll just call this demo because I can never think of anything good on the spot and click on create. So that'll just spin up the Power Apps editing authoring environment, all ready to go. So the first things first is we'll come over to data and we'll add our API to the list here. So if I just search for manufacturing, click on that. Now it's asking for that subscription key so what I'm going to do is drag my window over here and grab that key out okay. so I can paste it in. So I just show that key, copy, and paste it, and connect. Now, because we're using a, a premium connector, and um, it does require a Power Apps license, okay. so you got to make sure you have that. But OK, so we've got a demo API hooked up. We've got kind of a blank slate. Where do we go from here? One more thing I want to do before we get started is come down to the advanced tools and open monitor. That'll open up in a separate tab. And monitor is basically Fiddler, but for Power Apps. So that'll watch the data going back and forth, which is super helpful if you're trying to troubleshoot any API mm -hmm. issues you run into. All right, so we've got an app here. So let's just do some, some quick testing. We will add a, a gallery, which is what Power Apps calls kind of its repeating section control. Yeah. And instead of the custom gallery sample, we will just call our API. So we're going to start with maybe the list of factory locations. So we get the autocomplete from, from the definition that came from API management. And no parameters in this one. We're just getting a list. And you see the, the dots going across, and it pops in. So the layout with a picture and, and um, what it tried, there's no title and subtitle. We're just going to go with the straight name. 
So okay. I changed that out mm. and I picked it up right away and found something that had name in the name and guessed at it. And it looks good as far as that goes. So that's our, those are all the different cities that we might have manufacturing locations in. Mm -hmm. And so I will add one more gallery to maybe do like a follow-up on that. If I can drag it over here, you can see it kind of snaps in to line things up properly. So you don't have to worry too much about the UI. And what I'll do is on this guy here, on select and in response to somebody picking one, we'll just set a, a variable to um, gallery one dot selected dot city name. Mm -hmm. And then over here, we can set its items to another manufacturing call where if we get the information for a location, we can use that same selected city. And right now, nothing will come in yet. Let's actually just change that to kind of maybe a three tier. But if I, I, I hold down the Alt key, it changes the authoring environment to just a running environment. I can click on, say, Seattle. And it brings oh, things in. It just pops right in. And we like in production is great. But maybe we want something from the machine. We want the instance name. Um, in Seattle is fine. And maybe uh, the ID is OK. So that's great. So, but but now we're just kind of building power apps. What happened to our API? Well, I mean, the data is working. It's going back and forth. But if we come back yeah. to monitor, we can see in those network calls, we can see the some details of what the call itself. We can see our request. Now, there's no body because I was just a straight get with no parameters. But one thing I want to point out is that it isn't straight to your API. It does go to a kind of a middleman API management server that the Power Platform hosts. So you aren't necessarily like leaking your API server name out if you want to keep that behind. The, it, it winds up being a server-to-server -server call on the back end to actually get the data. But mm -hmm. we see the data we pass in, and in the response, we can say to the, see the data that comes out. Now, this is straight from the API as it yeah. would have been if you ran it in API management or anything else. And so we're basically testing, okay, if we get the, the information coming in, now we get that second command, and we get all that information coming back as well. And... Now we're using your API. And honestly, as a maker, I didn't need to know anything about your API. Um, if I come in here to the gallery and go to the items and, and just click on this again, it can, coming from that API management or that API definition, we're getting those very same um, uh, parameter uh, comments coming through all the way through here. So this is the location to search for. Um, and it, it just it just works at the end of the day. But what you're doing is allowing folks that are not you to build mm -hmm. apps, which God knows everybody has a, a list of projects a million miles long. As soon as right. you finish one project, you've got another one to work on. And there's just so many apps to be written. So the more apps that we can have folks write and then just talk to IT for that back end, talk to them for uh, understanding how to connect to these different services together, um, yeah. the better off uh Everybody is really. It's a so win. I was, the, I was the .NET developer, and of course, I can use Visual Studio, Visual Studio Code, Visual Studio for Mac, anything I want to build the .NET API. It could be that I'm just I'm just responsible for building the API itself. I of course test it to make sure it works, and then it gets published, and I'm done until there are 
changes that need to be made to the web API, right? You've got and somebody who sets up the environment, the Power Apps environment. That's kind of a IT thing. That's an mm -hmm. office thing, if you will. And then the citizen developer, low code developer, whatever we want to call it. And that looked pretty low code to me. Yeah, that was definitely <laughs> low code. We're looking at that. They, I may do some training on how to use it, right? What are the, mm -hmm. what are the mm -hmm. names? What gets returned? You might be on the hook for doing some training and then providing some support, uh, you know, or I guess if you're really old, you might write documentation, but who does that anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah, good man. Um, but yeah, uh, absolutely 100%. Really, at the end of the day, once you've published out this connector and once mm -hmm. these apps are being used in production at some level, um, you basically have a front end using your API. And so you have right. a, you should treat it like any other web front end or mobile front end or any other kind of traditionally developed front end. Um, you wouldn't, hopefully anyway, you wouldn't change your API to break those front ends without communicating first and having a plan to deal with that. Same with this as well. And what we've seen is that if there are breaking changes that come out, you might have manufacturing demo API V2, just like a separate connector yes. that you create. And so the old apps will work and any new apps can use V2. Like that kind of stuff can work well. And it really just works with our normal kind of the base URL. You could say like slash V2 on the new one and just call it a day and everything else is the same. Um, it all just, it, it does work. And, and this could be... This could be a reuse of an API that you've already written for the big app that might be a web app or Xamarin or, or whatever. And then you want to make essentially that same data or a subset of that data available to anybody to use. So I suppose you could, this connector could just be a front end to the actual API and you only expose some of the capabilities if the thing is very large that somebody only needs a piece of it, right? That'd be yeah. pretty straightforward. Absolutely, absolutely. So they, yeah, some some APIs are absolutely giant and somebody's only asking for three of the 72 network calls you support. You can connect, right. create a connector for just those three yep. um, and have it work just fine. And actually what we've seen is that Power Apps have become kind of like the grant to not overload a term too much, but the grand, grand connector of different kind of islands of data into mm -hmm. one scenario. So we've yes. seen people create, connect to three different custom connector environments and then, or three different custom connectors to APIs, three different uh, SQL databases for three different applications and write a simple application that allowed their users to synchronize all this data and maybe make sure it all lined up properly between these seven different systems. Yeah. That all works well too. And the owners of those APIs just needed to provide that connector or sometimes just provide the open API uh, JSON file and then somebody can create a connector for it. Um, it right. actually just, it's all about speeding up getting these apps created so that developers can move on to the next project so that the business can move on to the next, their next uh, problem they're trying to solve yep. and just help everybody get their job done easier and better. So if you have existing web APIs or you were going to build a web API anyway, then it's pretty straightforward to just use it um, how do you, there are built-in connectors. So you did, I think you mentioned that, um, your, that Cosmos DB doesn't have a built-in connection for power apps, but I know that you can connect to SQL data or other things. How do you know, or how do you know when you need to build a web API to use in a power app versus when you should or might want to? So, yeah, so Cosmos is actually one of those kind of scenarios where 
it uh, Cosmos DB is not available for Canvas-based Power Apps, but is available for other things in the Power Platform, which is why you might see it in the list like I, I uh, searched for here. But generally, what I've done is with over 400 connectors and growing all, all the time in, in the Power Platform, just supported out of the box, um, you never know what cloud services might be out there already. So if you want to connect to Salesforce, we have something for that. If you have something mm -hmm. for uh, Zendesk or Oracle, uh, we can connect to those. And of course, we connect to all the Microsoft stuff. Um, but the custom connectors can be super helpful for um, either things we don't have a connector for, for. If for some reason you want to bring in data from like the Yelp API or the Marvel, Marvel yeah. Comics API, you can, grill, you can create your own connectors for those. But what we've seen definitely, most importantly, are the, all those internal APIs for um, either standard data that every app has to use for like the countries and uh, what markets we're supporting and yada, yada, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, or other, other data that we already have that's internal to our business that we don't want to uh, create any kind of open API for that we just use internally, but we use all over the place. And it can be customer information. It could be uh, support information. It could be whatever it is. Um, if it, if it belongs in, in an app that we use internally, it can belong in a power app too. Or I suppose you, would, of, you uh, could just also write web APIs, just simplify. Somebody just wants a list of customers and doesn't want to have to know what the column name is for customers in what table, in what SQL database sitting on what server, right? Yeah, absolutely so, right. Absolutely also, right. I would imagine an opportunity to write, um, web APIs that hide the complexity of, of having to learn, I don't know, learn SQL or learn how to do a where clause or whatever, I suppose. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely correct. And so that, that is something we've seen also where a lot of times APIs are written just to simplify like an ancient yeah. legacy data database that we've had since the beginning of time that has tables from here to the moon, but we just need an API to connect to the new stuff or just to the mm -hmm. sales stuff or, or whatever it is. And so building a connector based on that API definitely makes sense. You could go straight to the database, but your users would be super lost and, and an API can definitely help them with that for sure. Right. Awesome. This is very, very exciting. So I think we've, we've shown in 18 minutes so far that what we talked about last week, um, the idea that you can just build the web API and let your Power App users use it. We've shown that that's pretty easy to do. You took a fairly simple web API, put it up in Azure. We're using Open API and Swagger, which gives us the ability to um, get that IntelliSense-like environment. Mm -hmm. And we mm -hmm. talked a little bit about when you can just hand it off to people, or you know, you need to simplify it further. But at the end of the day, you build web APIs. People get to use them building Power Apps, and then you can play whatever role you want. Um, whether it's just connecting or, again, you might build the app yourself. And I think your idea of building the Power App as a test platform for your, for your web API is pretty appealing because, I don't know, I'm probably like most developers. If I build a WPF or WinUI or Xamarin front end of something, I, even though I know it's just a test harness, I'm laying things out nicely and I'm setting mm -hmm. margins, mm -hmm. which is Completely unnecessary. If you just yeah, they can. There's always that day of creating a new project and getting it running, and just kind of the yeah. new project stuff. It only takes longer and longer as time goes on. But as yeah. you saw earlier, creating an app from it, calling the API, took five six minutes. 
apps yeah. just to prove out yeah. something maybe you want to prove out and you can i for me power apps have become the new console application 32 for just yeah. creating something new testing it out make sure that you know that proves out that the api is working that api management is working that yeah. all that is set up properly cores is set up properly like all that back end stuff now we can say right. yes looks good we can ship it and let the front end people build what they need to build it's a good uh sanity uh checker for sure cool well, that's awesome so thanks so much for coming on and, and showing us this and again what we will do in our final part of this um on august 10th we'll have a live show where we do more of a deep dive into how you build the web api so i know here we just looked at one you'd already built we're going to yep. see how to build one and because it's live Folks that get to ask all kinds of questions will be able to discuss scenarios. Great stuff. Thanks awesome. so much, Greg. Thank you for having me. And thanks for everyone for uh, hanging in this long. <laughs> so I hope you guys enjoyed that. And we will see you next time on Visual Studio Toolbox.